Hi, welcome to Heart of the South Outdoors podcast. In this podcast, you'll hear us talk about hunting, fishing, the outdoors, and great food. I'm your host, Bo Sanders, and joining me is your co-host, Zach Fish. Okay, welcome back to Heart of the South Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Bo Sanders, and we got Zach Fish on here. Also, we have a special guest with us. Most of y'all will recognize him from the show, Lindsey Way. Uh, Jeff Lindsey, how are you doing today? Good, guys. How y'all doing? Pretty good. Uh, it's really nice to have you on here. Sorry about the confusion with getting everything set up. Uh, no problem, man. That's the technology. We love it and we hate it. Part of it. Yes, sir, it is. So, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, my name's Jeff Lindsay. I uh, I got started many moons ago in the outdoor industry. Uh, I was filming turkey hunts and uh, had a buddy that worked for Real Tree at the time, and we'd mess around just filming a bunch of turkeys. And uh, um, then I got introduced to Mark Drury probably 15 years ago, I guess it would be. And uh, we, my dad ended up buying part of Mark's main farm that he was selling at the time in Southern Iowa. And, uh, you know, we, we were already living about an hour east of there. And then when that happened, we, we sold our house, moved over there. And this, I grew up in the South. Um, obviously can't hide this accent, but uh, grew up there, moved to Iowa. That's close to 20 years ago. Uh, 15 years ago, got hooked up with Mark Drury, and he was over at our house one night, and we had shot about three bucks in three days, all in the heat of the rut there, and all over decoys, and we, we had filmed it. We'd been filming our hunts, and he's seen it, and he's like, oh my gosh, you guys, you, y'all should come on board, you know, we'll see you some bows, and, um, you know, uh, can can we use these hunts? And we're like, you know, heck yeah, sure, man, sounds good to us, and uh, so we started, you know, <laughs> hanging out with I said hanging out you know just being part of the team with Mark and Terry and that was when you know they were just doing exclusively you know TV shows and videos and on the outdoor channel and then that led to dream season we did that up until dream season had several different phases and different seasons or names and we did that up until about I guess it was six years ago we decided to kind of just step out on our own and, and do our own thing. Just gave us a little more control. Um, we could kind of do what we wanted to tell our own story. That was kind of, that was kind of what we were going for. And, and here we are, and we're, we're about to air season number five and next couple of months. And, uh, we've been on the sportsman's channel for the last four years. And this year they have moved us over to the outdoor channel. So we're going to be seven o'clock PM on Thursday night. So we're pretty pumped about that. And, you know, obviously, that's that's just a small portion of it is the TV show these days. We we run you know ten to twelve originals every year, but but we're we're on fifty two weeks a year on on the Sportsman Channel or Outdoor Channel, and then uh, you mm-hmm. know social media is kind of our our thing right now. You know, that's what that's what everybody looks at every day, and that's what we try to be the best we can be at, and you know it makes it fun. So that's that's kind of a nutshell. It's me and my dad. Uh, just living outdoors, our entire family, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle for us and we enjoy it and we love it. And we're, you know, we're thankful that we're in a position that we have a platform to, to share it with uh, some other guys along the way. Well, that's cool. Um, 
So what made you and your daddy want to kind of step off, I guess you could say, from Drury? Well, you know, we kind of been doing our own thing. And, you know, we were doing Dream Season. And, and Dream Season is a, a really fun show. I mean, I got I met, I got lifelong, you know, friends, brothers, whatever you want to call it, from that show. Some I still talk to every week or so. Um, but it's a real, it's a, a competitive type show. You know, me and my dad are very competitive. And it, and it does wear on you. You can't do a type of show like that where you're competing. You, you take something you love, you know, killing a deer or killing an elk, and then you're competing with somebody else. And then you kind of have to step back and say, man, I'm maybe I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. It makes good TV. And we were called up in making good TV. And, and, it, and it was a popular show, uh, at least according to the ratings, you know, for, for those guys for years. But it's just one of those things that we said, you know what, we kind of want to tell our own story. We, we kind of want our own little little platform um we want to be you know take our wives and you know now kids out hunting you know because we we had a pretty good killing cast on dream season and we we killed so many deer we couldn't air them all so you know if i put my wife shoot one or took my buddy hunting even if it was a good story it was just it was kind of kind of lost in that so we said well now's the time and you know we decided to do an outdoor television show you know six years ago when it was kind of bottom of the market for the outdoor industry as a whole, or at least what it's been the last 20, 30 years, I guess. And so it was the best of times and the worst of times. We were able to get in and, you know, move up, had a pretty decent slot on Saturday morning. Then they moved us to prime time Sunday night, which we thought was probably best of the best. And, um, you know, it was just kind of a, a thing where, you know, me and my dad are kind of, we we're both self-employed. So we're kind of our own, own individuals and the fact that you know we do hunt together a lot we do do some things together a lot but we're our own people and we kind of want to we want to write our own story so that's we we had been kicking it around forever and finally we just uh you know it, it was my dad to pushing me to be honest i mean i uh yes i wanted to do it but i i like the comfort of not having to um worry about or, or the press and or stress and pressure of having your own hunt show you know i can I could kill my six or eight deer a year, whatever bucks I was killing at the time and, and uh-huh. turn them into them and didn't have to touch them. Didn't have to worry about the business side of it. And I, and I kind of didn't really want to get involved with the business side of it because I enjoy it so much. And, and I've always said, and I still say to this day, the day that it becomes, and it is a business, don't get me wrong. And I, and I do enjoy some aspects of that. But the day it yeah. becomes a job is the day that, I quit, you know, because it's not, that's not how I make my living. That's, it's how I, you know, get away from my day-to-day stress of my main job. And it's what I enjoy. And so we've had to make some changes along the way, you know, to keep it fun, to keep it upbeat and uh, to keep it, you know, where it's not so overbearing because it can be. And, and if it was our day-to-day job there, you know, and it, it was our hundred percent you know, source of income and revenue stream, it would be a heck of a lot stressful, but thank the good Lord, we, we don't put ourselves in that position. And even mm-hmm. though we love it, it's not something I want to do, you know, a hundred percent full time. So that was a long answer, but I, I, I tried to <laughs> explain it best I could. No, you're good, man. Um, we enjoy those long answers. It's good. There yeah. you go. It's less we have to talk. Yeah. So. <laughs> We just let the folks come on here and let them spill their story. And it shows a different aspect. Not a whole lot of people that have been on a podcast. Well, 
a lot of people have been, but it's just, it just kind of brings a different light rather than just seeing them on TV or over Instagram. It just, right. Yeah. You can kind of peel back the, the layers, you know, I enjoy listening to people on podcasts. It's a, I mean, it, in my opinion, it's just a, as powerful as a form of communication or media now, just like yeah. it would if you had an Instagram page or, you know, Facebook page or, or TikTok, you know, so it's, it, <laughs> it's what people want to hear. And I find myself listening to a lot of podcasts. If it's, if I'm going on a road trip or I'm going on a run, something I really want to kind of, I'm not looking for music to pet me up or something. I'll, I'll turn on the podcast and you know, I can kind of get lost in it a little bit. And there's certain ones I enjoy and, there are certain ones, you know, that are a little tougher to listen to, but at the end of the day, it's it's no different to me than, a, like I said, a TV show or something. Yep. It's definitely good to get so, that that background story. Uh, I know I watched you guys, you and your dad hunt, you know, Drury and everything, and saw y'all switch over, but it's really good to see and hear, you know, okay, so that's that's why they did it. That's That's really cool to see. Um, and know the backstory into each and everybody's different reasoning into getting into their own uh, element. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, everybody has a reason, you know, everybody, and, and all of them are different, you know, and ours, and mine's probably even different than my dad's. But, but like I said earlier, he, he was the one that kind of pushed me. And, you know, he said, I ain't getting no younger. If I'm going to do this, we need to do it now. And so it, you know, timing is everything, and it just—it all worked out. And now here we are in the middle of the end of the world, worrying about a, <laughs> yeah. a virus that's going to kill us all. Trying to figure out if we're still going to have a hunting show. <laughs> so, whose dream was it? Was it more your season. what? Was it more your dad's or yours to have an outdoor hunting show? Because it sounds you like know, it has to a lot, do a lot with your dad. It, it does. You know, he he. Obviously, he's the one who took me hunting for the first time. And, I mean, we grew up, you know, we were, we read every North American Whitetail magazine. Back then, you had a couple different magazines. You had, you guys being from Georgia, you'll understand G-O-N, you know. We, yep. we, we read that, Georgia Outdoor News, you know, that. They had Buckmasters, of course. Then you had just a few different um, DVD, not DVDs, <laughs> way before that, VHSs, you know. And we had, you know, I, I got this boxes of old VHS tapes and um you know Gene and Barry was one of the first ones that we ever started watching and and then it kind of spilled over to the juries and primos and and you know I guess it it was it's always a dream you know I guess to to be able to capture whatever you're doing whether it's uh you know you're you're hitting bombs in your local softball league or or killing big bucks big turkeys catching big bass you can capture that with with cool photos or you know, some type of film to, to have it to remember forever. You know, I think everybody would be be fine with that. I know some people just hate technology, but if it's a way to capture and share it with your buddies and, you know, your, your future kids or grandkids, everybody, I think, has got a, a dream sort of like that. But it was a it was a dream for, for both of ours, both of us, you know. And But uh, I think it was my dad was a little hotter to trot on it just because he realized he was – he was getting up in age. He was, you know, at the time in his late fifties and said, Hey, we need to do this. I said, Hey, let's, you know, let's do it. I got you. So now that we're here, I mean, obviously it is Turkey season. Turkey season's opening up almost every weekend somewhere. It seems like. Mm -hmm. So 
have y'all had any success this year so far in turkey turkey hunting? We have, man. I haven't hunted a, a ton just due to the nature of everything that's going on, and we've had to push a couple of hunts off. But uh, opening day, opening morning, we always, you know, start that off on our Georgia farm. And, I mean, mm-hmm. we did that for 20 years, you know, and my dad shot one right out of the gate. I had, had a bird that, you know, I need to start this by saying we got some birds on our, our Meriwether County farm, not near what we used to. Now, it is better the last couple of years. We went through some dark times, you know, the last six or eight years. Um, and then it's it's gotten, has gotten a little bit better for just we've tried to focus a little more on habitat improvement and getting back to the basics on what made turkey so popular in middle, middle Georgia forever. And, uh, but opening morning, I, I had a bird that was, I've been coming out with what we call our big field and um, by itself, kind of random. But I said, hey, uh, you know, I don't know how good they're going to be gobbling. We'll start off there. And sure enough, he, he, he wasn't gobbling far away. So we set up right there and, and he was out in the field right after fly down. He was hammering pretty good. And he marched all the way right up there to us. And it was just a heck of a video. I mean, you, you know, come in and, you know, attack the decoys 20 yards. It, it was pretty cool. And, and so then, he read the script. Yeah, he did, man. But, you know, that's, I know that's a, a topic of discussion now is, you know, some people, you know, depending on how you want to hunt or decoys, no decoys. But, you know, personally, I, I've, I've used decoys a lot. I love how the birds react to them um, on video, you know, specifically. So uh, he came in and just destroyed the decoy and um, my dad smoked him. And, and that's, that was about it. I, we uh that night we went bow fishing we took a couple of days off because i usually go to south georgia down in southeast georgia and hunt that next week that's what we're typically always done so we didn't hunt a lot till we went down there we hunted our butts off for two and a half days and killed a couple birds down there or, or me and a buddy did my dad didn't go with us and and uh then we hunted yesterday morning and we almost killed a bird yesterday i took my yesterday morning was beautiful it's 40 degrees but not a yeah, it was plow in the sky um it was cool and we did not hear not one freaking turkey gobble it was very frustrating um we covered a lot of ground pretty morning enjoyed it um our uh, our two camera guys were were down from iowa um with us so that was kind of our last hurrah and, and uh decided to take my son cash out he's five he's eight up with it he killed one last year and we took him out yesterday afternoon and we, we thought we got into the field early enough. It was about 3.15. And on our camera, we'd been seeing this one bird come out and strut. We'd been getting to, sitting on our cell phone. And he'd been coming out between 4.30 and 5.30. We thought we were good enough. We get to the field. There's two birds already out there. They take off running. We still set up, not knowing if that's the same one. And 20 minutes later, they're back out. And they come up gobbling and gotten about 45 yards. And, you know, I could have smoked them, but I really wanted them. To come closer and him shoot one. He's got a 410, and, and I do think it'll kill him at 45 yards, but you know, I want him in the decoys and the, the whole shebang. So, and they circled us, they probably gobbled 150 times between four and five o'clock. It was, it was fun, wow. and we, we kept getting to watch them, but they, they just were not filling the hen decoy. I wish I'd have had a, a Jake decoy out as well, but it was, it was a good hunt. And, but that's, you know, we, we've shot one bird off that farm and, you know, we may shoot one more, but that's about it. I don't like to shoot no more than a couple of birds off that farm. And we're kind of just waiting till, uh, till the Iowa season kicks off because it is, it's, 
we're loaded with birds. It's it's the good old days up there. I got you know, I got my, my cell cam sending sending pics and there's strutters in field every, every field, almost every morning. It's it's ridiculous. One field had eleven strutters in it this morning. It was wow. pretty special. But it's it's the good old days up there. So we're mm-hmm. we're looking forward to that. And here in a couple of weeks we'll get after them and um we'll be able to probably hunt them a little harder than used we used to just because we're we're on this uh you know little shelter man or whatever you want to call it so Mm -hmm. but thankfully uh, we're down down in georgia while we're being affected by the the covid because i was somewhere where i couldn't turkey hunt or or or, or get outside like i wanted to i'd be be a little aggravated definitely definitely gotta get outside absolutely so what would you say the difference is between hunting turkeys down here in Georgia and hunting them up in Iowa? Um, the one, they're both Easterns. They're both Easterns. You know, a lot of people think of Iowa, think we got some hybrids or something, but it's not. It's straight Easterns. Our, you know, our birds down here are going to be between 18, 22 pounds up there. Um, you know, the beard size of their beards are going to be definitely thicker, but those average birds up there are going to be, 22 to 26 pounds. I mean, we've killed a couple nice. 30 pounders. Nice. Just, just some wow. giant birds and their spurs are about the same the way they grow, you know, but the bird is just bigger. They gobble. Seems like maybe just a little harder, but you can really, really hear them spit and drum a lot more for, for whatever reason. You can just kind of feel it in your chest up there. It's just loud. You can almost hear them coming. And those birds up there, I don't know if it's just because, it, and it probably is just the fact that we just have more turkeys, but they, they show off in the fields, you know, they gobble all day. It seems like, um, not all day, but they gobble a lot compared to the birds in the South. And I don't know if that's a comfort factor or, you know, maybe the woods aren't as thick as here probably, but, um, but there is definitely not a predator thing because we got more predators up there than we do here. So that doesn't make sense, but they're just funner to hunt, man. They just, they gobble more. And, um, you know, if you got a lady or a kid, you can go sit in the field that afternoon, you know, around turkey 30, and you know that you may not see a turkey, but there's going to be one close. There's a good chance you're going to hear one gobble. So you kind of, mm-hmm. no matter where you're at, you feel like you've got an opportunity, you know, just because we, we have so many of them. You know, we're joining them while we can't. While we can't. I know it's not going to be like that forever, but it's like right now it's pretty dang fun. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That's really fun. I know the deer hunting up in Iowa. Uh, I got to hunt one season up there. It's completely different than anything down here, and I've hunted. Yeah, it's a bit different. Yeah, like that. And it's so much more fun up there, and getting out in the the agriculture and everything else. Something we don't have here in the upstate of South Carolina. So it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun up there. Yeah, it is. That's the way I tell people. You know, I grew up my whole, like I said earlier, you know, reading North American Whitetail. You know, whoever whoever was writing those articles, but they always seem to be geared toward the Midwest. You know, they talk about pinch points, inside corners, and, you know, funnels, hogbacks, all this stuff. Stuff that we did not, we just couldn't apply it here. Yeah, you may have a funnel, a man-made funnel or something, but the, the terrain or the ag fields didn't, you know, co- correlate with the maps that were showing in those magazines. But then you get up there yep. and you're like, oh my gosh, it all makes sense now. So, you know, I, I kind of wish that, you know, I had started hunting up there or just I couldn't apply because I, I just read all these articles and learned all this stuff and I, I kind of just forgot it. You know, I couldn't really apply it, but had I been able to apply it, I probably would be so much more knowledgeable on, you know, reading the lay of the land and stuff like that. But hey, it's mm-hmm. 
still got most of those magazines so i just need to sit down and you know probably brush up on it but yeah it, it is a good bit different though no doubt about it definitely yeah definitely. Down, down here you just don't know where those deer are going to move i mean they don't have a specific no they can go anywhere pattern. it's just you just show up and hope they show up you never know right they can go anywhere man, especially different um, midwest is it's like the deer tend to use a the same trails a lot and different stuff so you'll find trails it's like a cattle just cattle trails just running everywhere but the south it's very hard to find any of those trails they're all they just mingle and meander wherever they feel like going and they just don't use the same things no yeah they don't so much of their food is in the woods there so they're just kind of browsing through and venturing off the path and, and stuff like that. But up there, you know, those, those trails are using it to get from one place to the next. It's what makes it fun. Those deer do seem to move a little better up there for, you know, for probably no none other reason, reason than just less pressure over the years. They, they just mm-hmm. freaking move. Definitely. So would you have, like, when it comes to turkey hunting, since we're right here smack dab in the middle of turkey season, I was going to try to apply it more towards turkey hunting but uh do you have is do you hunt public land a lot or is it more strictly private uh-huh um you're really quiet right now Can yeah. barely hear you. Now? Can't hear me. Yeah, you. Yeah, we hear you. Okay, I'm gonna venture too far from my computer. Yeah, you you got really quiet right then and there. But um, could you re-say what you said about private and public land? Yeah, I you know growing up growing up I, I did hunt some public for deer and turkey. Um, we've had a little success that way. You know, hunting public a lot for you know out west and, and ducks and all. But but lately I'm just kind of. Fo- you know, focus more on the private, you know, we like to go in and give back to the land and, you know, leave it in a better place than, than we found it. And mm-hmm. like the, we enjoy the whole conservation, and, you know, being gamekeepers and stuff we can do, you know, between the food and, you know, and minerals and everything and just burn and prescribe burning, whatever. That's kind of our, our thing now. It's what we really enjoy. So we enjoy that just as much as, as the hunting and killing aspect of it, you know, so that kind of, that keeps us going. Okay, so um, let's go and kind of ask you a question that happened to me yesterday morning. I went out turkey hunting, and I got back in the woods, and pretty much on the dot at seven ten, one gobbled, and he gobbled once and shut up. I had an idea where he was coming from, but he didn't do anything else. What kind of technique would you use to try to work that bird or try to find him again? You know, if he, if he, so he just gobbled on the limb or on the ground? Yeah, he was on the limb. Yeah. You know, he's probably with hens, a bird. You know, this time of year, it seems like Georgia's really in pockets right now. You got some places that people are just like, all my buddies around here were killing them like crazy last week. We were in South Georgia. Every turkey we hunted had a pile of hens, you know, so it was very uh-huh. tough hunting. We finally found a couple that didn't, but these goblins, once on the limb, on a pretty morning like that, you know, it's, 
just because I hunted yesterday morning, you probably weren't too far away from me. I'd say yesterday was terrible gobble morning, so you were you're probably mm-hmm. lucky hearing one time. But my guess, it, it, now if that would have just been a normal morning and some other birds were gobbling, but this one just gobbled once. He probably had some hens roosted close, and he probably knew that he could watch them fly down and pitch right down to them, or he could pitch down and here they would come if they seen him. So that would be my guess. But you know, on something like that, I'm gonna ease in. You know, midday and you know after when I the hens, you know, ten eleven o'clock, hens go to nest and, and hope you can get him fired up because you can get one gobbling or responding your calls that time of the morning, especially. In the south, you got a really good chance of killing him. That's probably the most effective time to hunt, but most people are at work, you know, and for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons, you know, but you got less competition, but you get the, not only less hunters around, but you got less, uh, you know, hens to compete with. But I'm going to get in there and try to find a strut zone, and, and then that's probably where I'm going to try to be the next morning at 6 30 waiting on him to gobble, you know. So yeah. it's a good thing about turkeys, man. They leave a lot of sign, whether it's struck marks tracks and or just scratching you know and it's raining every two or three days in georgia so if you find you find tracks or struck marks and you know that he's in that area he's not far mm-hmm. now where would the strut zone be does that is it have to be an open spot or it can be in the hardwoods or does it really matter yeah it can be in the hardwoods but it seems like a lot of times they may strut if there's an area you know if you got a, a food plot or a power line or you know a, a you know, a timber road or, I mean, or, or anything that they can kind of show out for the hens a little better. They're going to, they're going to, it seems like at some point in that morning, venture out into that area, not only to feed, but I've always said a turkey likes to get out in those open areas and just kind of show off and strut and when he's not in the thick stuff or he's not, you know, just scraping his wings on trees, he likes to get out and be able to, to show off a little more. So, mm-hmm. And, and, and you know the hens are going to dust. If you can find, a, you can, you know, you can find a, a sandy section or a power line or a sandy road bed or something. You can usually find some pretty good sign that'll that'll tell you what those birds are doing. Yeah, I'm hunting over in the Oconee National Forest over in Jasper County. Oh yeah, and uh, they're I haven't quite found where they're running yet. I found some sign yesterday, and I saw a bird with some hens but i couldn't get on them fast enough so it's just it's almost hit and miss over on that that public land to me because sometimes you might get over there and you might find them or you might get into them and not find anything yeah you just don't know what what's happening to them that is one of the the wild cards of public land you know you know, if I'm hunting public land, the first thing I'm doing is hightailing to the back end before daylight, you know, just getting yeah. away from the crowds, you know, separating yourself from everybody else. And I think that's most seasoned public land hunters would tell you that, but you just don't know on those birds. You don't know if they're getting messed with the night before. You don't know who's calling at them, uh, you know, that day and, and all that. It's just so many unknowns. That's what, what makes it so challenging. I think that's why a lot of people, you know, do flock to it too, just because seems to be a hot topic lately you know because you, you kill well on public land you've, you've done well you know but like yeah, i say i grew up hunting public land chasing them birds having people walk in on our setups you know one thing or another i mean i had a we grew up hunting hunting clubs you know that was probably had more hunters per acre than the freaking public lands do nowadays <laughs> but so i i just vowed to say i said man if i ever if i ever can get my own land that's that's 
that's what I'm working my butt off to do, you know, to have my own place and I can control my own game and, and kind of just chill out. And, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, that's kind of, that's everybody's goal. It's just, it's just tougher to do, you know, than, mm-hmm. than, a lot easier said than done. Yeah, yeah it is. Like I, yeah, I'm telling myself, I, yeah, I'm telling myself I'm going to get out there and kill a public damn bird. I'm going to, I'm going to kill one. But the more I do it, the, the harder it becomes. Yeah. You know, it's like anything else. You got to put in your time and, you know, it's like those public land birds. You just take a lot more scouting because they're not going to gobble as much as a non-pressure bird, in my opinion. Um, Because as soon as he's gobbling, you know, everybody's coming to him. He knows he's attracting those hunters or attracting a crowd or danger or whatever it is in his brain to tell him that he needs to be quiet. So, Mm -hmm. but... You know, if you can get somewhere that you can see, I mean, where I don't know where you seen that bird yesterday morning. I don't know if it was the same one, but there's a really good chance that was their strut zone. What time did you see him at? It was about 10, 10.30, right around 11. Yeah. What was it, like a, a field, a power line or something? Um, I was driving down the road, and it was a little access road off to my left. Mm-hmm. So it is very possible, I guess, this is strut zone. Yeah, that's, so, sounds like that'd be a good good place to start next time, you know. But as soon as I s- slowed down, they were gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they wouldn't put enough of that. But. No, I didn't even like slow down when I drove by. But they, I got on my truck a little bit and circled around, and there's no telling how far they were from there. Right, they took all. They probably still running. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, so um, I know you mentioned actually making your own private property better for those years. Uh, South Carolina lately has had some really hard seasons, I guess, just springs and whatnot for turkey holes and whatnot. What right, hatches and all. Make? Huh? Yeah, yeah. We've had a really hard time, and the bird population seems to have dropped uh, significantly. What recommendations would you make uh, to somebody who has – private land and they want to just make it better for the, the turkeys they have there. Right. Yeah. Well, there's so many things, in, you know, involved that affect the, you know, the poult and the, the nesting rates, you know, but the, the first one, the one you seem to hear about most often is, you know, the rain. And that's, there's not a whole lot you can do about that. And it's raining a lot, but, but nest predators, you know, the raccoons, the possums, the armadillos, you know, when it's legal, I would get after them. I mean, that's one thing we trapped a ton of coons this past year in um, Iowa. And that's not something, you know, we're going to maybe see the effects of till two or three years down the road. But just trap them things, whether it's hunt them, whatever you got to do, you know, by all means necessary. Try to get rid of those nest predators and, you know, do your, your prescribed burnings if you can. You know, consult your local forester about what you can do to make your land better with those burnings with fire breaks and stuff like that. And you got to do that now, you know, you got to do that before the avian nesting season and all that, but get in there and um, create better habitat, habitat, you know, let more sunlight get to that forest floor, you know, grasslands, you know, CRP grasses, you know, uh, native grasses, all, all of the above, you know, anything you can do to make better nesting habitat that will protect those moms, protect those eggs. You know, that's, that's the desire, but, you want to look at one certain thing that you can control, you know, I would say, I'd say fire off after those, 
those nest predators best you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one thing we got a lot down here is raccoons and coyotes. Yeah, and nobody nobody coon hunts them anymore, man. Nope. I know just on my corn feeder, I have half a dozen. Oh yeah, corn. Yeah, that's they're everywhere, man. And, uh, we don't have as many of them really out of Iowa, but the pelts just aren't worth nothing, so nobody really hunts them anymore. Or, or if somebody does coon hunt, they're just going running their dogs. You know, they're not they're not mm -hmm. killing them a lot of the time. So, but those and armadillos, you know, in my opinion, you know, this is just a kind of a, a, a I'm not a scientist. I'm not a wildlife biologist by no means. Um, but you know, when, when something comes up, something else goes down. We used to have a ton of quail back in the day, and, and as quail numbers yep. went down, up came the turkeys. And now, for the last 10, 15 years, we've had a ton of armadillos. And as armadillos came up, down with the turkeys. And armadillos just sit there, and I know they are a big nest predator, you know, and they just rummage around. It seems like 24 hours a day, and at some point, they're going to run across the nest, and they're going to they're gonna eat, eat the eggs, you know. So, in my opinion, that's, that's really... <laughs> I didn't think also. armadillos were a big deal when it came to turkeys. Man, I, I think ours, ours do. I mean, that's just, that's just my opinion, you know, but it just seems like uh -huh. they, and, and whether or not they're, you know, I've never walked up on an armadillo eating turkey eggs, but I've had so many people tell me, yes, they're going to destroy them, they love them, they eat them. And thankfully, we don't have hogs, you know, because we have hogs, they just be one more, you know, wild, yeah. hard predator that, that come in and smash them. Yeah, definitely. Yep, I, I've got some hogs over here in Monroe yeah. County, and they're they're annoying. There's nothing good for a hog except a little bacon or ham. That's about it. Yeah. They're just they're that's annoying. Right, they just man. tear up your land. And people ask me like, do you just kill them to kill them? Like most of the time, when it comes to hogs, yes. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, they—you go to Mississippi, man. They're serious about it now. There's there's flyers in every gas station, the restaurant you go to. See a hog, kill a hog. You know, just mm. blast them. You know, don't don't ever let one get by. And we had a few a few years ago. We had some, unfortunately, I believe that were put out because the bull. I mean, the the boars were cut and sow's ears were chewed up, and I think people were putting them out to try to catch them and run them with their hound. I mean, with their mm. dogs and. We eradicated them over about a two month span. Haven't yeah. seen one since, thankfully. But, but those are good. You know, that's that. If any anything's going to be the detriment of your wildlife population in any specific area, you know, your first thing I would think to is hogs. I mean, we have got to keep them under control. Yep, um, I, I can testify to that. Where I hunt, uh, before the hogs started coming in there, I had deer at my feeder every night. As soon as those hogs came in there, they were the deer were gone. But I killed several of them off, and the the deer started coming back. Like I was just down there last night, I saw fourteen deer in one field. So, it's they're definitely a influence when it comes to just wildlife in general, whether it be yeah, turkey man, I, or deer. I hate them. I, mean, I shouldn't say I hate them, but I, I dislike them with a strong passion. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't really know exactly what they contribute to the land or society, other than, like you said, a little bit of bacon here or there. I like the. I like the captive ones. They sure are tasty. But 
Mm. Them wild ones. Mm. Got a little gangy them taste all. to them. Yeah, I, yeah, I've ate them. No, okay. I've ate them a little bit. So now that we just jumped on the food, what is your favorite turkey recipe? Man, you know, obviously just frying them up in chicken nuggets is, is hard to beat. Now, we we made a recipe the other night that was absolutely delicious. I shot that one on Friday, and there's this, my wife got an instant pot for Christmas. She, she, everybody was getting them. She, oh, no, I'm not going to get one. I'm going to get one. And my sister had one and just kept talking about it. So she got one. They were talking about There's this ways that people were using their medicine roast making these. Or my sister was making uh, what they call a Mississippi roast. I think it's got like a pack of ranch and some pepperoncini peppers. And she said, uh-huh. well, you got to try out the chicken. So uh, I killed this turkey. And I said, let's make it that way. And honestly, we did that with rice and it produced like a broth and gravy. And that was the best turkey I've probably ever eaten. And now granted, it was still, it was still a little, it wasn't as tender maybe as, uh, you know, um, as the tenderloins, the breast, but any breast of any animal is usually going to be pretty good. It's not going to yeah. be as tough. It's not going to be as tender as the rest of the animal. But um, man, that was that was delicious. If we were eating that again tonight, I would be pumped up. But that's <laughs> that. I, and I have to. I told her to make it up, you know, write down the recipe where I could share it with everybody because it was it was that good. Um, but then again, you know, we fry them a ton. You know, we'll, we'll fry crappy, we'll fry deer, and eat the whole shebang. But in this way we did it's probably not a ton more healthy but it is at least it's not you're not consuming the grease you know yeah so when you fry a turkey what do you uh what's y'all's standard frying i guess you could say you know i think she uses um uh gosh there's a specific kind of flour that she uses but we always mix a little you know a little salt and tony salt and pepper and tony shatteries in it and uh, just kind of give it just a little bit of kick. And uh, the the ticket I have found on frying turkey, the mistake that most people make, if you ever go to a restaurant and get some bad chicken or something, they just cook it too long. So yeah. you've got to be extremely, the longer you cook that turkey past, you know, edible temperature, the tougher it's going to be. I mean, and I think mm-hmm. that's just a mistake I made for years. It's just fry them too long, you know. But So now you just really got to babysit it and, and take them out when they're ready. You know, versus letting them go too long. But to me, in my opinion, that's the number one mistake people make when they're fried. Frying yeah, anything, got, much less a turkey, you know. Uh huh. Yeah, I've got a couple of turkeys breast in the freezer right now that I'm trying to figure out how I want to cook them. Soak them, soak them in pickle juice, man. Put them in some flour. It tastes just like a Chick Fil A nugget. <laughs> so, does the uh, pickle juice kind of get rid of the gamey taste? I guess you could say. Eh, a little bit. I'll break them down. It. Pretty much, no matter what I'm, if I, well, anything I kill, if it's you know, if it's a deer or, or turkey, first thing I'm doing, I'm either gonna put it in some salt water or some buttermilk, you know, and uh-huh. you know, it, and I don't really have the gamey taste. It's not something really that I'm I'm worried about. It's just kind of getting them in and you know, just kind of cooling them off instead of throwing them right in the freezer and making them hard mm-hmm. enough, you know, just kind of tenderize them and break them down a little bit. So that's. That's typically what I do, whether, you know, it's a backstrap or a, a roast or cube steak that I just cut up or anything. I just, I just like to, I like to let it, you know, just kind of bleed out naturally, if you will, even though it's not getting a ton of blood, just, that's just the phrase I like to use, you know? Yeah. 
All right, so da, 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 da. we're just going to kind of change the topic a little bit. So um, what would you say is your most memorable hunt and why? I know this is probably going to be a difficult one for you. Um, well, you know, I, I've had two hunts that I've, I've really come to mind. I killed a deer back in dream season. First year we did dream season celebrity. It was back in 08, I believe. It was my biggest deer at the time. It was 194 inches. And he was a deer. I was in there hunting him. I shot him like October the 8th. And I was super pumped about that. So that's probably my number one all time. I also killed another deer that I hunted the entire season from October 1 until I think I killed him November the 15th. He was an ash tape buck. He was 181 inches. And I was so pumped to kill that deer. Um, and then, of course, this past year, Big Chocolate. I mean, I ch chased that deer one deer the entire season from October 1. And, you know, I had some other days, days off, or went duck hunting mm -hmm. to Illinois or Georgia or something, somewhere else. But I ended up killing him on January 1. So I, that was the only deer I shot in Iowa last year. And, and it was a, it was a really good feeling to get him. But I, I had shot him and he ducked my arrow. I hit him back, hit him high on November the, 10th or whenever it was, 8th or 10th, I can't remember now looking back, but um, I, I'd hit him and, and couldn't find him, and that was extremely low, low point, not only in my hunting career, it was probably a low point in my life, it was a very, very dark time, and because um, I wanted that deer so bad, and had I killed him then, it would have probably been the number one hunt of my life, just because I wanted that deer so bad, and he was, he was that big. Um, but I did end up killing him with my muzzleloader January 1. And it was it was still a great feeling, don't get me wrong. But it was more of like, I'm just happy it's over versus, hey, I'm happy to get him. You know what I mean? Because he had consumed me so much to be able mm -hmm. to chase him and, and spend so much time and effort. And so when I got him, I was like, man, this feels great. But, you know, if, if we're hunting on an even kill level all year, my low when I hit him and couldn't find him was much lower on that on that bar than it was when I killed him. It, it's more, yeah. it was just, if that makes sense, it was just a, it was tough to take. Mm -hmm. All right. um, we're kind of getting here towards the end. So do you have any recommendations when it comes to being a new hunter? You know, um, just put in your time, man. I mean, one of the worst mistakes people can make, uh, you know, for new hunters, they want to just go out there and kill something. You know, I I was lucky or cursed enough, whatever you want to say it, that I grew up in the South Hunt. We didn't have big deer. You know, you sent to an after-old eight-pointer. That was the deer you were trying to kill. You know, that was anything with eight points was, you know, something you were riding around the back of the truck for a couple of weeks. But, but because yeah. of that, because we didn't have a whole lot of big deer, I learned to watch a little, a lot of deer, you know. learned to go in the woods. Um, you know, we, we couldn't bait at that time. You know, we just go hanging the hardwoods or hanging a swamp, you know, and we would just watch those deer. We'd learn them. We didn't even have doe days back then, or we did have certain doe days. So you just, just couldn't go out and kill. You had to go out and enjoy the woods. And, you know, some of my best memories of hunting, you know, were in a home built, you know, wood ladder stand and I'd get out of school and I'd have my homework and I'd take it to the stand. I'd get some acorns would be falling. It would be a, cool October afternoon and I'd have my bow or my gun or whatever it was. And I'd be sitting there doing my homework in that ladder stand and, um, just enjoying outdoors way before cell phones. So, you know, now I think the, the mentality is, you know, shoot something and put it, put it on social media, but 
you got to realize that just just fall in love for hunting for for what it is and not to have, get approval from your peers or approval from your yep. your friends or your following you know and enjoy it for what it is and just ask yourself you know am i if social media we don't went away would i still be doing it you know and that's that's big to me to do it because you love it because there's so much there if you truly fall in love with it enjoy it that you can not only learn from it but but take from it and give back to the land and that's that's important to me you know just and that's how i'm trying to raise my son you know it's it's a lot tougher in this world now you know with all the stuff we got going on but i'm trying to you know get out there and just know you can't have a home you know we're not we're not playing the game we're just going to enjoy it and mm-hmm. stuff like that so but you got to keep it fun too you know because and, and for kids fun is pulling the trigger you know so that's why a lot of the younger generations are do enjoy you know duck hunting or or, or, or a, more of an action sport versus deer hunting mm-hmm. you know because they're going and, and pulling the trigger so keep it fun and, and just do whatever makes you happy you know if it's shooting the first deer you see or if it's going out and blasting those whatever it is just do what makes you happy because end of the day that's that's what you got to worry about is you know obviously maintaining game laws but 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 keeping it fun mm-hmm. i agree with you there um fish you got anything no, I think I'm good. Just want to thank Jeff for coming on and say keep on keeping on with all the hunts and everything else. And I enjoy watching their social media pages and seeing them share their faith and everything else in it and share family time. That's a lot of fun and it's good to see. And uh, hopefully be able to talk to them again one of these days and hopefully be able to see y'all at a show or something in the, the upcoming years. It'd be a lot of fun absolutely man yeah it's fun yeah i'm sure our paths will cross and uh, enjoyed it guys yes sir we i did too um it was really nice having you on here and maybe some other time we'll get you on here now that we got things figured out and can get you on here absolutely man sounds good let me know we'll get my dad on or something like that and y'all take care be cool all right we'll do all right bud good to see y'all nice talking to you you too all right man see ya Thanks for joining us on this episode of Part of the South Outdoors. Hopefully you'll come back and join us on the next episode.